do. You're going to want to dial in and you're going to go 888. Can't do that. Not anymore. Nope. You know what happens when you dial 880-5763? I'm going to tell you. Here's what happens. Ready? Watch. That's right. Nothing. Nothing. Oh, wait. Hey, it's ringing. It's ringing. Who took our number? I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I want to know. Somebody please pick up. Adrian, is it ringing? It's not ringing on your end. Nope, not ringing on my end. This is awesome. Uh, I can't tell you. But I can tell you. That when you dial 915-505-6009, here's what happens. It's ringing. And guess who's going to pick up the phones right now when we answer it? Hello, this is Adrian with Sports Talk. Bingo. Just like that. That's how it works. That's how the phones work. Can't wait for you to ring them up for us today. 915-505-600 and the number nine. Gets you right on in and through to the program. New UTEP football schedule. Of course they had to come up with a new schedule. What do you think was going to happen? And by the way, I love UTEP North Texas at home to start the season. Instead of UTEP at Oklahoma. Because you want to know something? Now they've got a shot to have a big crowd for the first night of the year. It's a conference game, and it counts. Instead of playing North Texas at home the last game of the season, now you get them the first game of the season, and you have the opportunity to win a conference game and get a little momentum into that huge game in Norman against Oklahoma. So first and foremost, the new schedule, UTEP Football 2022 2.0. I like it. I do. I like it a lot. I love that first game on August 26th. I think that uh, just uh, really will make uh, a lot of difference for the Miners. I didn't want to see them play their first game against Oklahoma because if they did get smoked, which is usually what happens whenever they have to go play there, um, it's just a downer. Now you've got a chance to get a little momentum heading into that game. I like that, Adrian. Yeah, I like this for so many reasons. First off, I really like the week zero opportunity that UTEP uh, football gets to have. And then they get another bye week, you know, during the middle of the season. So I, I feel like this really shakes out for the best. Of, I mean, uh, we could talk week zero all we want, but also one of the big storylines is their schedule is very favorable when it comes to their league uh, conference USA slate. And I, I like that for the Miners to try to pile on as many wins as they can to mm-hmm. bolster their uh, their record this year. And uh, they're coming off a successful season. Let's see what they could do this year. They lose teams like UAB, who was on their original schedule. They don't have to play Western Kentucky. Both the Hilltoppers and the Blazers were contenders last year for the Conference USA crown. And now they get to start the season on August 27th, which is the, the earliest the program has ever had a football start. And don't they now get Middle Tennessee instead of UAB? Yeah. Isn't that the replacement home game? That's correct. And that was a bold team last year, let's be honest. But, hey, that was also a team that went 7-6 and six just like yep. UTEP did last year. And I'll tell you something else. You know why I like the fact that Middle Tennessee's on the schedule? Because they're staying in the league. 
They're staying in Conference USA. A little bonus right there for those who are staying uh, in this league. And you know what else is really interesting with this schedule? The fact that they now have bye weeks on October 15th, which comes uh, right after the road stretch against Charlotte and Louisiana Tech. And then they have another bye week on November 12th, right after that Rice Road game, to give them a chance to get ready for FIU for their home finale. Yeah, I feel like that's huge because in the previous schedule, Steve, they played October 1st at La Tech. Then they had back-to-back home games, Florida Atlantic, Southern Miss, and then they went back on the road, Old Dominion and Rice. So they didn't get a break from that October 1st through November, I, I, all the way to you know October 22nd stretch. I mean, that was a, that's a long stretch right there in the first place. Now the Miners will have a, a nice break in between, and their schedule, I feel like, lines up very favorably for them. I love it. I do. I really, really like it because other than Oklahoma and the Boise State game, I mean, I look at this league schedule and, I mean, Louisiana Tech on the road is going to be a tough one. That's not no no denying that. But they've got a new coach, and who knows, they're going to be rebuilding like they always have now. Um, Charlotte seems winnable, if you ask me. The last time we'll play Charlotte, the UTEP wannabes who copied the whole uh, pick, uh, you know, the pickaxe way the Miners had, trying to steal from us, um, you know. So that game, that game has some meaning. Don't think the Miners don't want to deliver us uh, some uh, some big dubs against teams that are going to be on the outs leaving this league. Oh yeah, I'm with you on that one. And the three, okay, so they lost the teams like they lost teams like Southern Miss, Old Dominion, UAB. They were on the previous schedule right there, uh, and they replaced them with, like you said, Charlotte, Middle Tennessee, Florida International. Uh, those three teams right there, those three teams in Conference USA have a combined had a combined record of 13 and 24 yeah. last year. So the and we're not talking about the best teams in Conference USA, which shakes out better for the Miners to try to get these wins. Totally agree. Totally, totally agree. All right. Good start to the show today. 8805763 as we get going on the program. So, uh, if you want to talk about it, see, by the way, folks, understand this. I am not programmed yet for the new phones. I'm not. I still say 8805763. I do. I've been saying it for 27 years. That number is not going to leave me anytime soon. It's not. So, during the show, you will hear slip ups. Probably from me all the time, Adrian, from time to time, possibly. But that's why I want you to save the 915-505-6009 number in your phones now. Save that number. Because when I give the phone number out and I give it incorrectly, you can say, no, Steve, it's not the 880 number. It's the 505-609 number. That's the number. So save that phone, please. 915-505-609. We need to break that new number in anyway. You know, we only had a couple calls on um, Monday's show. Adrian, now we know it's going to be the the final of the NIT tomorrow. A&M is in the finals. That's right, yeah, and and Texas A&M, again, their fans were real upset as far as not making the NCAA tournament. Now they have a chance to win the NIT and stick it to the NCAA tournament for not, or for snubbing them out of the, uh, you know, the NCAA tournament, the big one. So, yeah, let's see if they could do it tomorrow in the championship. Do you really think that they want to stick it to the NCAA? I, I just think they want to win a title, right? They just want to beat Xavier and win the whole thing. That's it. 
because Xavier beat St. Bonaventure yesterday. A&M easily controlled Washington State. And I think Xavier and A&M is going to be a pretty entertaining basketball game next uh, tomorrow night at 5 o'clock. Yeah, and, and both these teams really want to win it. This is the, also, Steve, the last time it's at MSG, which is crazy to me. I mean, they're going to be replaced and, and doing it at a new site for the NIT, which is so weird. I hate that. And I hate that, too. I feel like that's the only reason why people love the NIT. They get to watch games at the M- at MSG. But, yeah, it's it's tough right there. Last year to do it, so uh, let's let's go out with the bang. I'd want to play at the Garden, man. That's what's about for me. But then again, I'm biased. So, um, you know, that's just where it's at. But, yep, I get you. Totally get you. Um, all right, so that's how we start the show off today. And the Utah football schedule, to me, is the biggest story of the day. I know Jay Jaffe is going to join us talking baseball in a few and Jeff Erickson in our 5 o'clock hour, and then we'll sprinkle in calls. Uh, I like the new overtime rule. We didn't get to that yesterday. I like the fact that the NFL and the playoffs – We'll give each team at least one opportunity to have the football. That is the right thing to do, and it's good to see that it it took uh, this past playoff and what went down in that uh, epic uh, game, which a lot of us thought was never going to end between uh, you know uh, Kansas City and Buffalo, to change the rule. Yes, this was this was a long time coming right here. Uh, credit the Colts and the Eagles who proposed the mandatory possession for both teams. Uh, I, I, you know, it passed by a vote of twenty nine to three. So really, everybody it seemed like in the league was in favor of this. And uh, I, now I'm just curious if they will have success in the postseason to where they'll want to move it in regular season games, or if they'll keep regular season games in the same overtime format based off this. So I'm curious to see what the what will we find out after uh, these overtime games. Me too. Me too. Or if we too. don't get one uh, the entire postseason next year. We might not. It might, you know, that's the one thing we'll say is overtime is never a given. It really isn't. Uh, sometimes you got to get lucky to get a really good overtime game like we had this past year. So I don't know. I mean, I'm just happy it's in place so that when we do have another playoff overtime, we don't have to feel like one team got screwed. Yeah, just keep it going. I mean, let two teams have the opportunity to score, and if that's the case, if both teams have it, then all right, I'm good with sudden sudden death right after that, but at least give them the opportunities if those two teams score, which, hey, this NFL, uh, you know, this league scores a lot of points, uh, then then allow them uh, the sudden death format. I'm really looking forward to this. I am as well. I am as well. So that was a story we didn't get to talk about yesterday that we definitely would love to bring up right now as we at least kick things off here on the program. By the way, another interesting story. No Utah players in the transfer portal yet. We keep waiting and waiting and waiting. Maybe they're all going to come in the same day. I don't know. But Adrian, as of today, Jamal Bienemy is the only player on the minors that has already expressed interest in going pro. Um, I am surprised that we are already midweek and and over a week after their postseason exit in the college basketball classic and still only one name has surfaced so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty interested by this, Steve. I thought there would be more by this point midweek. I thought today we would be talking about maybe two or three guys who are in the portal. And it could, it still is probably coming, Steve. Let, let's be honest, because uh, you see it all across college basketball, at least uh four to six players leave each program per year and and we don't like that as fans but it's the reality of college basketball that that happens year after year so while it hasn't happened yet for UTEP basketball I'm just kind of waiting when when is this going to happen or maybe maybe things are you know maybe maybe um not as many players will end up going into the portal we just don't know what, what could end up happening when it's all said and done no we don't we really really don't so um, it, it's it's a great point. Um, it also shows you 
how much uncertainty there still is right now around college basketball. I think there's over 900 players in the portal right now. Is that true? Yes, I, I've seen verbal commits post their their uh, the amount of players in day after day, and that list just keeps growing. Like when you just uh, when you look on Twitter in the morning, yeah. verbal commits is all over, and they're just posting players uh, entering the portal left and right. Over a thousand players that have tr- that are in the transfer portal, but some of them have already found new homes. So I think it's 1,008, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's 1,008 players in the port. I think it's just 1,008 total transfers to date. Yeah, and actually, I'm I'm surprised there's not more at this point. But I guess you know it's still in the middle of the the uh, you know the NCAA tournament right now. Maybe once the final is done, you start to see more players left and right start to enter the portal. Plus, classes are still going on across the country, so maybe you're waiting to the end of the semester for more players to enter the portal once they know more about graduation. And maybe that's the case with even some of the minors who are on the current roster. Maybe they need to make sure that they can graduate this May or this spring in order to you know go to L- elsewhere uh, without having to sit out a season again these are great topics things we want to talk about today when we get to the phones later at 915-505-600 and the number nine gets you right on in and through to sports talk here on 600 espn el paso when we come back jay jaffe is going to join us for our weekly chat the season right around the corner excited about that excited about charlie one kicking us off with our first traffic update of the afternoon As we continue, so the baseball season is right around the corner. Here to talk a little baseball and beer with us right now is Jay Jaffe, who's back from his uh, ski trip to Salt Lake City. Saw him uh, out on the uh, skis last week. Uh, Jay, how'd you do? How did somebody uh, who's a couple of years older than me, um, you know, so we're talking, you know, you're, you're, you're getting up there, Jay. You're getting up there. How'd you handle yourself on the skis? Uh, I'm fine. I, you know, I've been skiing since I was six years old. This was the first time I'd gotten to ski in three years, but, uh, um, you know, I didn't really miss a beat. Uh, the the exciting thing was getting my daughter going on uh, skis. She's five and a half years old, and she got three days on the mountain. By the third day, she was uh, skiing down the, the bunny hill uh, without falling, and it was great. It was a lot of fun. She was skiing with her cousin. Oh, so Robin's a natural is what you're telling me. I don't know about natural. She really struggled in the early going, but uh, uh, by the end of the trip, she really got it together, and it was a lot of fun. That's the kids' thing for you. They're very quick to pick it up, and even though the beginning might be a little messy, three days' worth, uh, that, that's pretty good. So it sounds like the weather in Utah was perfect for skiing. Well, it was a little hot, actually. The bottom, the bottom half of the mountain got kind of slushy, so uh, it kind of limited how late in the day we could ski and and uh, really kind of end-of-season conditions. But it was great in terms of, um, you know, she was able to learn and, and, and uh, we were able to have a uh, uh, pretty uh, fun day on the mountain. I don't want to ruin the end of our segment, but did you get a chance to drink uh, plenty of Salt Lake beer while you were there? A bit. Not plenty, but, but some. I was, I was pretty wiped out and had to be careful about how much I consumed. I hear you. All right, very nice. Um, hey, by the way, people are talking about the Dodgers having the best lineup ever. Um, didn't we say that about the Dodgers last year? I mean, they've got incredible lineups. It's, uh, uh, you know, the question is whether their pitching will hold out. And, uh, um, you know, last year because of injuries and the, and the, and the, and the suspension, the Bauer suspension, it, it did not. So, um, you know, I don't know that we can crown them uh, anything yet. Time will tell whether this is the best lineup ever. 
That's true, but they did bring back Clayton Kershaw, and uh, given the circumstances and, and needing a guy like that to just you know help stabilize things, how big do you think that is? Um, you know, it's, look, I think it would have been strange to see Kershaw in any other uniform. I think he feels like he's got uh, unfinished business there. At the same time, you know, one-year contract, I imagine that uh, he is thinking about uh, how much longer he wants to do this. He's probably two years away from getting to 200 wins and, and 3,000 strikeouts, um, which I think will put the, put the, you know, seal his Hall of Fame case uh, uh, shut. Not that he needs them, but, uh, um, you know, that will give him some, some milestones to point to and, uh, uh, when he retires. But uh, um, I think, you know, when he's, when, he's been health, when he's been healthy, he's been an excellent pitcher. So uh, that's really the key. Well, and the question also is this. Assuming you go with Andrew Haney and Tony Gonsolin as the fourth and fifth starters behind Julio Urias, Clayton Kershaw, and, and Bueller, uh, the question will be, can Gonsolin and Haney deliver what the Dodgers are going to need after the top three? Yeah, that is, that is the question. We, you know, we saw Gonsolin, uh, he's flashed some really good stuff. Um, last year, though, he, he got hurt early in the year, and he was never really totally himself. He's a guy that has uh, uh, a lot of promise, but he's never really uh, fully delivered on that. Um, I still think that they're they're going to need more more pitching depth. I'm with you on that one. How do you like uh, Blake Training as the closer for the team right now? Ish, you know, I I, I think they're going to miss Kenley Jansen. I think Jansen brought something. Um, you know, he he had a he had his ups and downs late in his late in his tenure, but last year particularly after that hiccup in the middle of the season, he was just absolutely dominant. And, uh, um, you know, I think uh, uh, they will miss him more than they realize. I think Trinan's a capable closer, but, um, you know, last year he, he got seven saves, you know, so they didn't have to overwork Kenley Jansen. And uh, uh, I don't see who the alternative to Trinan is just yet. All right, I do. I think that if there's one guy right now, it could be Daniel Hudson. Yeah, you know, look, Hudson is Hudson. Just you know, he's closed before. He does not have the the caliber of stuff. I think true uh, to 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 last in that job very long. He's uh, uh, alternated some you know some pretty good seasons with some pretty mediocre ones. I don't think he's anything special uh, there. They don't. They he's not the power arm uh, that they need. And I think they're hoping that Brewster Gratterall uh, eventually develops into that. But he doesn't miss enough bats. Uh, he's got uh, you know triple digit velocities, but uh, that's mostly with his sinker uh, rather than a four seamer. So you know I think that the, there's just a lot of question marks in that bullpen, a lot of question marks in that rotation right now. How excited should Reds fans be that Hunter Green has made the Reds rotation to start off 2022? I mean that's about the only thing to look forward to for them this year. <laughs> They've gutted the roster. Um, you know it's. Uh, um, I, I'm eager to see what he can do, and I think everybody is. But um, the way the Reds have gone about their business over the last couple of winters is kind of dismaying. So um, at least this will give them something to something to look forward to every five or six days. Yeah, I just feel like we've been waiting on Hunter Green for so many years. I feel like he's been in the minors forever. It's nice that he's getting his opportunity now. Yeah, you know, he was drafted as uh, number two pick in 2017. So, yeah, it's been five years, but he's still only 22. So uh, it's not like he's uh, that old yet. Yeah, true enough. All right. Uh, Also, uh, give me your thoughts on Home Run Derby X. What do you think when you heard the news about this gimmick today? Sorry, I missed missed that today. I've been so buried in my preseason stuff here that uh, uh, I didn't see any of the news. It is a global baseball tour 
that will be stopping in London, Seoul, Korea, South Korea, Mexico City with Adrian Gonzalez, Johnny Gomes, Giovanni Soto, and Nick Swisher all taking part in home run derby contests. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, exactly. it's a good opportunity to remember some guys. Um, I don't know if those are going to be the superstars that really draw people out to the ballpark, um, you know, to, to see them. These are guys that are, what, they've been out of the, I mean, I wrote up a Hall of Fame profile for Nick Swisher a couple of years ago. Um, you know, the rest of them. Uh, kind of in that in in that window, they're they're uh, you know some, some good players there. I don't know that they're going to be, um, you know, packing stadiums. So here's the way it's going to work: every team is going to feature players from four categories. Jay, you got the MLB legends, and by the way, this is the only time I think ever we can call um, you know Johnny Gomes an MLB legend. Fair enough? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, I agree. Okay. So they got the MLB legends, and then they have superstars who hail from the world of softball and women's baseball, a rookie from the men's baseball development system, which I don't even know what that is, and wild cards who are influential content creators. This is is Rob Manfred's brainchild to uh, try to take baseball on a world uh, home run tour. Okay, (laughs) if you say so. I have to say, I'm not real. This, this seems like the celebrity all uh, all star softball game combined with the home run derby at the uh, uh, during the all star break. It doesn't really it, it doesn't really strike me as something that's going to be um, particularly compelling to, to to North American baseball fans. But I mean, um, maybe it plays overseas. I guess. I mean, how about the name Giovanni Soto? I haven't heard that one in about five or six years. Yeah. I, neither have I. You're right. So he's uh, he's going to be part of this thing. So yeah, we'll see. And that's the home run derby X. I'm I'm surprised uh, that you haven't already written up that story on Fangraphs.com here this afternoon. Uh, we're, it's pretty far down the list, I'm afraid. <laughs> I hear you. Hey, by the way, uh, you are writing. Um, you know, you wrote today positional power rankings, first base. I was actually yesterday. It was your first story since coming back from vacation, and um, a lot of positional power rankings right now from the Fangraphs team, and and I think you probably enjoyed that one because first base is actually a pretty uh, it's a pretty deep position right now when you really start to break it down. Yeah, these look, I'm I'm buried in the right fielder one, and I can tell you by the end of, by the end of writing two of these, especially the the breakneck speed that I'm having to do this one, um, it, it's 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 not that fun. It's it's fun writing the top five guys. Um, you get to the mind numbing uh, job battles between five guys. None of whom you want on your team. Uh, it gets it gets to be pretty grim. I'm, uh, um, you know, I it's this is part of the job. I don't. I'm not complaining too hard, but uh, um, you know, it's it, it, the novelty wears off pretty quickly when you dig into these. And I'm always I I always got to do two of them uh, every year. So I'm this is my ninth and tenth, and and it's uh, um, it, it's a bit of a chore. I'm it's, not. This, su- this yeah. feels like work. Let's put it that way. Well, I'm not surprised at all that you had, um, you know, the Padres as far down um, in first base as as you did, 27 out of 30, because right now you've got Eric Hosmer, Luke Voigt, Matt Beatty, and Jake Cronenworth. Doesn't exactly strike fear into opposing lineups. Yeah, you know, the this is a these things are there's a uh, a whole lot goes into these positional power rankings. We've got. 
Um, the the uh, the statistics are the average of two projection systems, uh, and we have uh, somebody, or the guy who runs roster resource, Jason uh, Martinez, uh, is estimating playing time, and uh, um, you know, so we re- so that's how the rankings are spit out. I I don't actually do the rankings, uh, but I do the the analysis once the rankings are are done. But yeah, the Padres. I mean, Eric Hosmer's been terrible since he came to San Diego, with the exception of the pandemic season. Um, you know, which is kind of a small sample, and um, you know he's he the Padres haven't done anything to get him out of the way, and uh, um, you know I like Luke Voigt a lot, but he's not uh, really much of a fielder, so um, you know there's there's pros and cons of putting him ahead of Hosmer there. Yeah. Uh, the Padres are, are similarly pretty far down in the right field rankings with Will Myers and Jerks and Profar. Uh, I just wrote up that capsule here uh, a little while ago. Uh, that goes up, I believe, on Friday. Meanwhile, after the Blue Jays and the Dodgers and the Braves, there's a pretty big drop in terms of first basemen, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there these these positions tend to be stratified. You've got uh, you've got a few elite guys, uh, and then it's uh, um, you know there's 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 a lot of uh, fall off there. But you're right. Um, you know the top three are, are great, and then uh, uh, the next three are, are you know, which are the uh, the Mets, the Cardinals, and the Yankees are, are pretty good. I was actually surprised Anthony Rizzo ranked as high as he did. Uh, the projection system seemed to like him a lot uh, in Yankee Stadium, a lot more than I do. I I just don't think he's uh, uh, really anything special. I thought the Yankees made a mistake in in, in signing him. Um, but you know, once you get once you get past those past those guys, you're you're into the guys who are at best. Two to three win forecasts, and there's a, there's like seven or eight of those, and then uh, um, you got the rest, and, and there's not a lot to be excited about once you get to the bottom ten. More with Jay, including his beer pick uh, of the week. But first, let's go to Adrian in this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Hey, thank you very much. We're back with Jay Jaffe right now. You can follow on Twitter at J underscore Jaffe and check out his work at Fangraphs.com. Um, when I heard the news that Albert Pujols was going back to the Cardinals, I thought, hey, uh, you know, it's his final season. Uh, fitting, that's where he started his career and made really, uh, you know, his Hall of Fame name for himself. Now they've got a DH in the National League, so maybe he'll get some more bats than he otherwise would. And, and a good PR move for St. Louis. Um, do you see more pros than cons when you look at that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it depends. But uh, you know, the Dodgers showed last year that that Pujols uh, can be a very useful player if he's limited to uh, platooning against lefties. And and uh, uh, you know, he's he's still actually a, a, an okay fielder. Um, but you're probably mostly going to DH and pinch hit him. Um, I, I think if you get him outside of that role, you're you're really wasting at bats. Um, but he does have some limited use and. Uh, um, you know, Paul Goldschmidt is the man there at, at first base, and, and I don't think you want to take him out of the lineup very often, but he might need a breather now and then. Um, but this is a nice way for Pools to end his career. He says this is his fi- the final year uh, before he retires. So, um, you know, I think this is a good way to go because I know, um, you know, there are a lot of people who were sort of sad with the way that things ended there uh, when he signed with the Angels. It was kind of a shock. And uh, uh, so for him to get one last uh, go there, I think, is 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 good is a good thing for them. All I know is I saw the reaction that the fans gave him when he walked in uh, yesterday to that spring training game, and it was pretty uh, pretty cool. I mean, you know, yeah. you just you just realize the kind of uh, respect he still has around the game. You know, he's going to be uh, probably a unanimous Hall of Famer when it's all said and done, and uh, he's going to do real well for himself. Yeah, 
I think it's I think it's a good move. I agree with you. Um, I'm looking at the free agent list right now, and Jay, there's not a lot of big names left when you really start to break things down, and as far as where players might go, um, I don't really don't see that many uh, that that many big names. Do you? No, I think the biggest name the biggest name that's still out there is, is Michael Conforto. He's the the one free agent who had a qualifying offer attached to him. Um, I haven't really heard uh, who's interested right now. He's coming off a pretty lousy season um, with the Mets. He's had a lot of injuries in recent years, and uh, uh, really, you know, I think that uh, um, he's a capable bat when he's healthy. But uh, I don't know that he was healthy last year, and uh, I don't know how realistic his his contract demands are. So um, I imagine there's going to be an injury somewhere, though, and he'll, he'll find a he'll find a deal that works and. Uh, um, he's too good a player to be on the sidelines here. But uh, uh, other than that, there's not you know there's not a lot of uh, uh, really strong players out there. I mean, looking at our, our free agent top fifty, I think Johnny Cueto and, and Brett Gardner are the only other two unsigned free agents. Oh, and uh, Dylan Batances, the only uh, unsigned free agents out from our from our uh, Fangraphs free agent top fifty still out there. Nice. Hey, by the way, did you see the uh, video of Bill Spaceman Lee uh, coming out of the crowd in a uniform, holding a beer, and then striking out a player in Savannah? Uh, I saw I saw the tweet go by. I did not actually get a chance to watch the video. I've been pretty uh, had the blinders on here to get this done. Oh, it's amazing. He's seventy five years old. Comes out on the field in Savannah uh, from drinking a beer and stretches, warms up, and again in the game, ends up, uh, you know, on his off-speed stuff, uh, striking out a player. So uh, pretty cool that uh, yeah. Bill Spaceman Lee can still uh, get things done. And by the way, he still throws a mean breaking ball for a 75-year-old, that's for sure. Nice. I saw, speaking of Savannah Bananas, I saw that, that uh, uh, clip of the uh, guy with the uh, doing the splits at, at, uh, in the batter's box. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I thought that, that I circulated that one. It was good for some laughs. Hey, it's hard to believe that uh, AAA baseball season starts up next Tuesday. I mean, minor league seasons will start before the big leagues because of the lockout. And around here, uh, a lot of excitement because, you know, Chihuahua's baseball will have some, some big leaguers probably on that list as the Padres cut down start. And, uh, you know, it's, it's here, Jay. We don't have to worry anymore. Spring training is getting ready to wrap up in another week or two, and, and baseball is just about back. Yeah, it's exciting. Let's wrap it up with a beer. What do you want to uh, toast to our listeners this week? Okay, so yeah, I was uh, when, I, when I was in Salt Lake City for the first time in three years, I had a chance to uh, uh, go down and visit my favorite brewery there, uh, which is to say Epic Brewing. Um, and uh, I loaded up. I got, I got uh, three or four different kinds of beers. Uh, the one that stood out to me most uh, was their New England-style IPA, uh, also known as Citra Lush. It's uh, got a lot of citra and mosaic hops. Uh, tastes uh, a little citrusy, but also kind of melony, uh, hazy IPA. Um, I think this one comes in at yeah seven percent. Uh, not bitter at all. Very easy drinking, and uh, I liked it a lot. Good job. All right, Jay. Welcome back. Look forward to having you next week. We can kind of get your preview on the season. And until then, we'll look forward to your article uh, on Friday previewing uh, right fielders. All right, sounds great. Thanks. Jay Jaffe, folks, from Fangraphs.com. As Sports Talk continues. 39 past. Let's get out to ABC7 News. That's next. And then Charlie One and plenty more here on 600 ESPN El Paso. 48 past the hour. You want to weigh in? 
915-505-600 and the number nine gets you right into sports talk. 915-505-6009 as we continue on the show. Jeff Erickson coming up a little bit later in our five o'clock hour, plus your phone calls as well. Excited about all that. It's going to be a lot of fun here on the show today. A lot of fun. Matter of fact, uh-oh. Uh-oh. What is this? Oh, we haven't had this all week. Adrian's Movie Reviews. Good Lord, we haven't had time. Shows have been half an hour yesterday. Should have had it on Monday, but we didn't get to it. So today, Adrian, you finally get an opportunity to review another movie for us. What do you have for our listeners here today as you go through your long list of movies you've never seen before and you get to uh, talk about them with our Sports Talk listeners each afternoon on the show? Thank you, Steve. I'm very excited because uh, this one is Driving Miss Daisy, 1989. It was uh, released on December 13th. It's with uh, you know some of the best, like Morgan Freeman, Dan Aykroyd. Uh, in this, uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it 82%. IMDb gave it 7.4 out of 10, so a little conflicting when it came to the critics. Uh, Daisy is played by Jessica Tandy. She crashed her car. Her son, whose name is Bully... It was Dan Aykroyd, which is definitely not the type of Dan Aykroyd uh, acting I expected uh, from from him in this one. He's more of a comedy guy. He had more of a serious role in this one. He sets her up with the chauffeur, which is Hokey. That's Morgan Freeman. And it chronicles Daisy and Hokey's relationship over time. I mean, it was off to a rocky start. This is that feel-good type of movie because uh, the two become close friends. Uh, Daisy was uh, surprised, and, and, and you know she was able to surpass those racial prejudices that she had early on uh so this is a great movie all around i just i thought that uh this is just adds to the great movies that morgan freeman is a part of i thought he was fantastic in this one uh one of my favorite scenes was when they're driving down and she's just getting so upset because he's going above the speed limit or what she thinks is the speed limit which is only like 20 miles an hour so takes them forever to get to the grocery store but they finally get there uh i give this one seven out of ten bananas feel good story pg-13 uh, actually, it's just PG, so it's a it's one you could watch with the family. Uh, yeah, this one ages very well also, Steve. Did you enjoy Tandy's character or Freeman's character the most? Freeman. Way yeah. more Freeman. Uh, he was he was wholesome. He aged well throughout the whole film. Yep. Uh, and I just love how it talks about, you know, the two's, re- the, the two's relationship over time. Like, it, it goes back to them, you know, from time to time. And you might miss a couple steps here and there. But, yeah, it was a very entertaining and, and uh, you know, heartwarming type of movie. Have you ever seen Jessica Tandy in Fried Green Tomatoes? Oh, I haven't. She was in that. Okay, okay. She was also in Cocoon. Have you seen Cocoon? No, no I haven't seen either of those. Those are uh, those are two good ones. Okay, okay. Cocoon and and um, as I mentioned uh, a moment ago, also Fried Green Tomatoes. So, all right. Um, fried Green Tomatoes is definitely a movie you'd want to watch with your fiance. Okay, okay. I got so, you. Yes, you Good definitely, stuff. You, you definitely would. So, anyway, Kathy and, Bates in that one. And by the way, as Brian from downtown pointed out, um, Jessica Tandy played an elderly Jewish Southerner in oh, the movie. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly so, right. Yeah. Anyway, more than race is what Brian from downtown pointed out. So thank yeah. you, Brian. No, it was a, it was you know a fantastic friendship between the two. So I like I liked it. Very wholesome movie. All right, you have one for tonight. 
Um, well, I was trying to watch some Will Smith movies, Steve, oh, but no. uh, th- unfortunately, I haven't. Um, I haven't narrowed it down. I'm, I'm between Ali, which I haven't seen yet. Uh, I haven't seen ATL, uh, but I do want to watch some Will Smith uh, films. In week. honor of the slap, yes, because yes. you are on. You are on Team Smith. I'm Team Will. I, I've. Uh, <laughs> I think. I think this is. Uh, it's funny we're talking about this still on Wednesday, but yeah, no. I'm Team Will. Well, we just found out today that according to the Academy, he was asked to leave after the slap, and he refused to leave. Yeah, that, you just told me that over the break. I still don't know how to wrap my head around that one and the fact that he just wanted to wait. And, hey, I know, I get it. It was it was his night where he was supposed to win the – well, he ended up winning the Oscar, I should say. Uh, and, yeah, I, no one's going to remember that. No one's going to remember the fact that he won Best act, Actor uh, in this um, you know Academy Awards. They're going to remember the fact that he slapped Chris Rock. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Hey, uh, meanwhile, are you surprised that – even a day uh, after Jamal Biennemi elected to go pro, there are people out there on Twitter that are critical of his game, believing that he's making a mistake. And I'm thinking to myself, man, it's played four years. He started all four years, two at Oklahoma, two at UTEP. And this year he really became more of a scorer than we've seen before. He's got good size. He handles the ball well. He's got good leadership. I mean, why would you be – if you're a UTEP fan, who are you to judge? If Jamal Biennemi is ready for the uh, for the pro game, yeah, I'm I'm really upset uh, at this and all the criticism that Jamal Biennemi's decision received. And people want to cite Vince Hunter and Randy Culpepper, who both had fa- who continue to have fabulous international basketball careers and have made some good money doing it. Why criticize those guys? What's wrong with that, Steve? What's wrong with going off and playing international basketball instead of playing in the NBA? I get it. The NBA is the pinnacle of where you want to play professional basketball. But if you can make money overseas or playing internationally, why not? And I got a better one for you. Some people think that, well, he needs to keep improving his game. I disagree. I think Jamal Biennemi's game is about as polished now as it's going to be at UTEP. I don't know how much better... Jamal Biennemi is going to get if he sticks around and plays one more year at UTEP. If he goes to another school, what's what what does he have to gain there? If he stays another year, what does he have to gain? He had he had his breakthrough season this year. It's time to cash out and uh, get paid to do this. I agree with you. All right, hour two, right around the corner. More coming up uh, as sports talk continues right here, six hundred ESPN El Paso. Start of hour number two here on Sports Talk. Welcome back. He's Adrian Bradis. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. I think this is the end of the wind, by the way. I think the weather will start to heat up again tomorrow, and hopefully we'll be back to normal in El Paso. Dusty, windy, brown, and just uh, not the way you want. I, I, I like a good cold front. But man, uh, that wind just doesn't uh, doesn't mesh around here, does it? No, it doesn't. I like a good overcast at times, but not when it's like Tatooine from Star Wars, Steve. That's what it looks like sometimes when it's this uh, windy in the city of El Paso. Mm, I agree with you. All right, I got two lines ready to go. Eight eight zero five seven six three. That is our telephone number. As a sports talk continues, if you're just joining us, uh, Jay Jaffe talked a little baseball and beer in the first hour of the program. We also discussed UTEP football schedule 2.0. That's right. A brand new schedule came out after the league um, found out yesterday that they would be 11 instead of 14, thanks to the Sun Belt taking three schools a year early. And thus, we all believe it really will work out better for the Miners. Instead of opening up the season in Norman against Oklahoma, they open up at home against North Texas. And if uh, you know they're able to play well in that one, 
give them a little momentum against Oklahoma, and better yet, give the crowd a chance to come and watch them play a winnable home game to start the season. Yeah, and when you just look at the bulk of the season out of Conference USA, when you just talk about those teams specifically, only three teams who made bowl appearances last year, that's North Texas, UTSA from last season, and Middle Tennessee are on UTEP's schedule, so very favorable league slate for the Miners this year. It really is. It gives them a chance uh, to get back to a bowl. That would be the key if you're Dana Dimmel and company. And and I like that. Like that a lot. So we talked about that. We talked a little transfer portal because there is no uh, uh, portal right now with any UTEP players. The only name that's been linked uh, to leaving the roster from this past season is Jamal Biennemi turning pro. We've heard rumors about a lot of people, but so far, Adrian, nothing's happened yet. Um, I, I don't necessarily believe that that's an indicator that they're all going to stay. It just means that it's just taking a little longer than we expected. That's all. Yes, and and that could, you know, Joe Golding was out last week recruiting. Uh, as you're seeing on social media, recruits are still being offered by the minors this week. So maybe recruiting has really tied up those exit interviews between the UTEP basketball coaches and the players. Those interviews need to be uh, need to happen before players go to compliance and then enter the transfer portal. Is that true? I mean, is that the way can can players can't just go to compliance before the exit interviews so, they have to do it okay so that's the traditional nice way to do it that, what i just explained so i'm sure if if there's an ugly departure yes you could go out and go to compliance and enter your name in the portal remember mm-hmm. one day in the middle of the season we learned that J- jordan lathan and nigel hawkins entered the portal that's true that is true Let's go to the phones right now. Brian from downtown is going to kick it off. 915-505-609 is the number. 600 and the number 9 or 915-505-6009. Get it? 600 ESPN El Paso. 600 and the number 9. Yeah, we're, we're real clever, folks. We are really, really clever when we put these phone numbers together. Brian, what's going on? Thanks for the call. First of all, I had no trouble remembering the new phone number. Quite to my surprise. I am extremely surprised and impressed. Congratulations. Well, it's not that difficult, okay? Good. (laughs) It's not like like an SAT, okay? There you go. Uh, Anyway, I wanted to weigh in on on Biennemi's, let's just say, as we used to say in junior high school, deportment. Um, I... I don't. First of all, I don't have pro- any problem with him leaving because he did put in four years. Okay, it's yep. not like he only put in three, but he put in four years. And a lot of this fifth year, sixth year business is artificial. Some of because of COVID, some of it just because of you know the red shirt thing and everything. Well, that's fine. But putting in four years, okay by me, he can leave. The problem that I have with all of this is that college basketball and all basketball is a team sport. And when your team is going to postseason and you're sitting on the bench just because you don't want to play or you might go pro and and you maybe have tweaked an ankle, but you're, you're not, you certainly can play. I heard a rumor, but I'm just saying that, that he was not too injured to play and or to practice, and I think he let his teammates, and he let the fans down. I, listen, there, you can make that argument. All I know is this. We watched Jamal practice with the team before the game. He looked fine. He really did. Yeah. Would I have liked to have seen Jamal play? Absolutely. Could UTEP have won that second game if Jamal was in the lineup? Absolutely. Um, you know, Southern Utah looked good without him. 
but you wonder how much of a difference maker he could have been had he been in that game. And I, and I understand that. And you want to know something? If minor fans are upset, hey, in that regard, they've got a right to be. But then again, I also look at football players that opt to go and not play in a bowl game that means something to them because they really want to not hurt their draft stock. And you want to know but, something? But, that That's another thing that bothers people. But play, It bothers you know, me, too. Yep. And that, that was going to be my next point, but I just wanted to raise – that one that I, I just think you let the fans in this team. It's you know UTEP going to postseason play without their best shooter. I'm sorry, even the, and he's available. I, that bothers me. Yeah, yep, I got you. All right, thanks. Appreciate you, Brian. All right, uh, but I do think football is is very similar to that when you're talking about players that are healthy and choose not to play in a bowl game because they don't want to risk any injury. Yeah, that's a great comparison right there. I feel like yeah, I would just look at that right there and. For for this postseason tournament, if it's the NCAA tournament, if it's even the NIT, I really think Jamal Bienemy plays. But since it's the basketball classic, and again, remember when I when we were talking about transfer portal and decisions not being these players, maybe somebody, an agent, a, a friend, or a somebody who's looking at him going to the pros, advised uh, Jamal Bienemy to not play in the basketball classic so he can get, uh, better his health, his knee, his excuse me, his ankle or anything that's ailing him, and then uh, come back. 100%. I could see that too. I, I really could because the last thing you want to do is hurt yourself and then potentially hurt your, your chances of, of getting you know the opportunity to play in the summer camps and all the pro things a, a, assuming you want to go and, and test the NBA draft waters. I understand that. I really do. Let me go next to Domingo who joins us uh, with a line open. 915-505-6009 here on Sports Talk. That's 505-6009. Domingo, what's going on? How are you? Hi. How you doing, Cappy? Let's talk about World Cup qualifiers. Yeah, uh, the U.S. plays in about two hours, um, and all they have to do, I think, is survive. What? Like survive against Costa Rica. Like, yep, that's right. Like Tunisia, like Tunisia did with Mali last night with the African qualifiers. I'll make it quick with the European ones. We only know that Poland and Portugal won the playoffs in Africa. Morocco's in. They won easy against DR Congo. I already said about Tunisia whooping, surviving against Mali. Cameroon's in for, by, by breaking the hearts out of Algeria and away goals. But here's two controversies in the qualifiers of Africa. First, it would be the Ghana, Nigeria. And I, think, and I already heard it in some, in some of the news, that, some online, that the, the Nigerian fans were furious and they were, they were riding the stadiums. And they were also picking fights with the Ghana fans. I have no idea what was going on between Ghana and Nigeria. That is not something I've been following today on Sports Talk. Yeah, but here's the biggest controversy. And it was also on the news last night. The Egypt-Senegal game in Senegal. You know what the Senegalese fans did to the Egyptians during the penalty shootout? Laser pointings on the, on the players and on the goalie. Now, that's the biggest controversy of all. That well, was- didn't uh, didn't so what Senegal won that uh, one one nothing in peak and penalty kicks right? Yes, the one that they distracted Salah, they distracted a few of the Egyptian players. I even saw it live on, I even saw it live on YouTube via an Egyptian channel. I just got luck, and I saw, and I noticed myself. What the heck are the? You're watching. Wait, wait, you're watching an Egyptian channel. That's how you're watching soccer. You found some Egyptian sports channel. My guy found it somewhere on YouTube. That's oh, some live, some, something on a live show on YouTube. That, that happens all the time. I 
All right. I like it. I like it, Domingo. Appreciate that. I, listen, hey, if you're going to watch ESPN, but it's the Egyptian Sports Programming Network, you know, on YouTube, that's, that's one way to check out all the Egyptian soccer you can get when, they are, when they're going up against Ghana. Yeah, it seems like Domingo's got a or soccer. Yeah, yeah, he's got a soccer fix, and and uh, he's going to find a way to watch all these soccer matches, no matter what. So the U.S. is on Paramount Plus tonight, and as long as they don't get destroyed six to one or, or lose by five, well, they're in the World Cup. So you got to figure that you know they will make sure that they uh, keep it close against Costa Rica and hopefully win and get the three points and not put themselves in any kind of a of an embarrassing spot here tonight. Yeah, I mean this would be uh, a massive Massive, massive failure if the the U.S. allowed you know five plus goals in this one and then ended up being bounced out of the World Cup for back to back tournaments. I mean, yeah, U.S. missed out the last time. They don't want to miss out this time. Yeah, that's exactly right. So that's coming up here in, in just a little bit. Thank you, Domingo. All right, five zero five six hundred. The number nine gets right in in and through to the program. Twelve past the hour. We'll get a little Jeff Erickson coming up here in a moment as sports talk continues. Uh, I want to get back to UTEP for a second because you put out a great Twitter thread yesterday that showed all the players thereafter. There are a ton of guys right now. High school, junior college, some D1 transfers that the minors have expressed interest in. A lot. A laundry list. Matter of fact, uh, there's there are so many names with so many different spots. You kind of wonder, um, are, are these are these feelers? Are they are they offers? What are they doing? Because ultimately, uh, it seems like they've reached out to eight, eight to ten players already. Yeah, in my perspective, just me personally, I think you start off with your difference makers. Like you recruit and you get the commitments from your difference makers, and then you go off and then round out your entire roster. And when you get those difference makers, I'm talking about the D1 transfers, the guys who could step in, who have scored and proven it at the Division One level before, and and can have success uh, translating their game to the Division One level. Because junior college players are fine. You can get some All Americans from junior college. You can get All American from high school that's great but the way that college basketball has changed if you want to have immediate impact guys mm-hmm. they have to be division one transfers it can't be your junior college or high school prospects i agree with that i agree um you do need players that can come in and make an immediate impact and you know if you're gonna get juco players you better get guys that are uh juco all americans or juco's that really are top 50 top 100 guys and then you hope you got d1 players kind of like Sule, boom and keontae kennedy were years ago the question is will this staff be able to deliver on those kind of players the way uh the previous group could yeah, that's a really, really good question because, and just talking geographically, UTEP is starting to recruit, uh, you know, Pennsylvania a lot. They've they're really trying to go out the Maryland route and the Baltimore area. They're they're going Louisiana heavy uh, in this recruiting start. Yep. Uh, junior college is kind of all across the map. Not so much in Texas as maybe I initially thought, but they they still have some here and there. Uh, but it's not your your like splash uh, Texas guys from like the metropolitan areas or you know East. Texas. Completely agree. Quarter pass. We'll get to Jeff Erickson right after we say hello to Willie, who joins us next on the phone lines. 505-6009 here on Sports Talk. What's going on, Willie? Here we go, buddy. This is the best overtime uh, I can I can give you. Here we go. The guy who gets the ball will have, uh, you know how I used to be named that tune? Yes. I can name that tune in five notes or whatever. Each team get the ball at the 10-yard line. You got so many plays, every play is counted. 
you might get to the 35-yard line and kick a field goal. Well, the next has to kick that field goal in the same amount of time you kicked it in or less. If they kick it in less amount of times you you did, then they win the game. But he's, And the guy who do the coin toss, he, he can get the win mm-hmm. or he can get the ball first. It, it'll be really interesting how the coaches would have to think. That you would know, be yeah, that would be interesting. But then again, Willie, don't you think that the new rules in the playoffs, which gives each team at least one opportunity, no matter what, to have the football, is still going to be a much better solution than what we've had all these years? No, but each team would get the football. No, right. What I'm saying is now, now that they've allowed each team, I mean, I get, I, I understand your suggestion. I do. But you want to know something? Some teams are able to march down the field in three plays. Others take 20 plays. So to me, Good. Is, the one who does it in three plays win the game. Yeah, but as long as, I don't know. I mean, why should we penalize the team that still gets to score, even if it takes less time or more time than the other team? Honestly, is that? Because you're going to make, because you're going to make it interesting. You have the, you have the, the team has scored. Say so you take 10 plays to score. Mm-hmm. Then the next team get the ball on the 10-yard line. They'll start kicking. The only thing is, okay, you use one play. Nine, eight, seven. And he gets down. He got to score or either take the field goal within that time that the other team did. You you know, each team, if that team goes first and score a touchdown in seven uh, plays, the other team has to score a touchdown in seven plays. And what if they and, score? Uh, what if they score a touchdown? What if they score a touchdown in three plays? Then they win. The team that scored a touchdown in three plays win. And if they score a touchdown in six plays, they win. If they score a touchdown in eight plays, they lose. If or they, if they if don't they score, score a touchdown before the other guy with a few enough plays than the other guy, he wins. Adrian, if what do you think? Give me give me your thoughts on Willie's plan. Yeah, I'm a little lost here on this one. So I get I get the idea. The idea is the team that gets the ball in overtime, if you know, if they score, assuming they score then the team that gets the ball afterwards has to match or beat what they've done in order to win. And if they haven't been able to score in the total number of plays, they lose. Yeah, I, I understand it. I'm still a little lost in how they would kind of get it all, like, you know, a 10-play drive, and you have to score a touchdown. You yeah. have to execute the two-point conversion. I think it's an ambitious idea. I think I'm just a little lost in how confusing it could get down the down the road. Willie, how long have that's you been I'm thinking about this? How long have you been thinking about this? About 10 this? minutes. All right, well, that's, good. To, <laughs> that's good. You don't have to score a touchdown. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, yeah. You don't Field have, goals. You don't, look, check this out. Here we go. You do the coin toss. Mm-hmm. One guy wins the coin toss. Now, what if it's windy? He said, well, this guy said, well, I want to go with the wind, right? So he said, I defer. I'm going, I want to go with the wind that way. The other guy said, well, I want you to take the ball first. The other team said, well, I want you to take the ball first. The guy with the wind, he goes down and, and he takes him what? There would be no punting, for one thing. He goes down and he does his fourth down and he gets a 38-yard line. And he might try to kick a field goal, but he doesn't. It goes wild or whatever. The next guy gets the ball on the 10-yard line the same way. The clock is on the, on the TV where the other guy tried to kick the field goal in nine plays, let's say. It's on the screen. Okay, the other team got nine plays to kick the field goal. But if he doesn't kick the field goal, if he gets to the 37-yard line and the other guy got to the 38-yard line, he wins. Nah, you can't. you can't do that. 
you can't make it based on 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 uh, on progress all the way without scoring a point. You can't. I. I. I no. 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 So Willie. Willie. Listen. I can't. I. I get the scoring point. I get that idea. But you can't tell me that if two teams don't score, but one team gets to the thirty-eight yard line, the other team gets. We're not. We're not dealing with penetrations. This isn't high school. We got. We. Eh, no. I, I don't think we can. I, I can't go for that. Right, but I appreciate the call. I'll ask Jay. I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do, Willie. I'll ask Jeff Erickson from Rotowire what he thinks about that idea. That's interesting. All right. Come back with more. Jeff Erickson next. The Sports Talk continues. Been an interesting show today, Adrian. Interesting calls we've had. Soccer, Egypt, Ghana, um, Senegal. A, a suggestion on how to fix football's overtime rule based on penetrations it's like the usfl right there good lord it's been wild all right let's uh, bring this man in he's uh, jeff erickson from rotowire.com your one-stop shop for fantasy sports jeff welcome back how are you doing all right yourself steve i don't know i just had a call from somebody who said it took him 10 minutes to figure out how to fix overtime in football 10 minutes you know i'm it, it, the nfl they always find a way to try to keep in the news cycle right so here's the here was the suggestion. You ready? Team gets the okay. ball. Let's say they let's say they go. Uh, they start at their own ten yard line, and they go. Um, you know, fifteen plays, and they get to the other team's thirty seven. They kick a field goal, and they miss. Uh, then the next team will have the same number of plays to go from the same yard line and try to go past the uh, the farthest uh, yard they were able to get. So, in other words, if a team got to the 37 and missed a field goal, this team has to go past the 37, and just going past, they win. If they don't go past that, um, they could still win by kicking a field goal, but if they are not able to score in the same number of plays and advance the ball the same number of yards, they lose. That's not football. That's some other sport. I don't you know. know. I, I I can't get behind that. I was I was confused myself, and I asked I asked my my caller. Um, I said, "How long did it take you to think this one up?" He goes, oh, "About ten minutes." I said, "All right, that makes sense. That really does." There you go. I'm telling you. All right. I I like the new overtime rule, by the way, in the playoffs. I like the fact that each team gets the ball at least once. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with the overtime rule. Um, Bills fans aren't fine with it. I get it. I, I know the whole 10 out of 12 thing and all that, but I, I haven't spent – are you talking about the new rule? I haven't spent a whole lot of time looking at the new rule yet. It just means that if uh, a team gets the ball and goes down the field and scores um, a touchdown, the opposing team would still get the ball. They would not lose the game like they have for years in overtime in the playoffs. Mm. It, it sounds very much like – well, I don't want to be too 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 cynical, but it's kind of like an everyone gets a medal sort of overtime. Yeah, I get it, but I mean the the way the game ended with with um, Kansas City and Buffalo, it just left you wanting more, don't you think? Yeah, well, play defense. That's don't true. Don't let it get to overtime. Yeah, I know. Don't uh, kick it. Don't kick it through. Don't kick a touchback. Make them return the kick. Mm-hmm. Do lots of things. Cover the middle. I don't know. Um, I, I'm. You know, you, you, they had control of the game most of the way. They had it in their grasp. Um, there's not a perfect fix. Um, Nobody's and, ever going to be happy. I think You're right. We, Nobody we spend will so much time looking for perfect fixes in sports that we end up over-legislating. And I, I, I don't think it's for the better. And I, I think a lot of times when it also – this has to do with replay review, too. 
we spend uh, you know all in basketball we spend all this time like get you know you you know getting out and freeze framing and making sure that uh, everybody is like you know getting to every single frame to try to get uh you know make sure we get it right did he touch it and it's 10 minutes later and there's no flow in the game anymore uh that's in college it's the nba it's worse than in college i think uh just the last 5 minutes take a half an hour and there's just no flow no, there's, there's, there isn't any. But I still believe that in, especially in football, uh, like all sports, every play should be subject to instant replay. I don't like the fact that we get to pick and choose, and some things can, and some things can't, because sometimes you'll see something that's obviously a mistake, and it's not up for review, and then something else gets reviewed and 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 takes forever. I'm just my attitude is if you're gonna if you're gonna look over things, then why should we be picking and choosing what we get to look and not look over? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I almost would prefer to scale back and make or make it all booth review or something of that nature instead of choosing review. I don't know. I I wish you know it's granted it's a complicated problem because this isn't tennis where you just have ball and line. There are a lot more variables at stake here, uh, but I I just feel like you know. So we, so let's so have... let's put it this way. So why is it then that with today's technology and 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 picture and review is better than it's ever been before. And reviews are better than they've ever been before in terms of what they're able to do technology-wise. Why is it then, in the era of instant replay in sports, we still feel like teams get screwed so much when it comes to replay review? Because this is because humans are imperfect. It happens. I mean, it's and technology isn't perfect. We think we want to make make it feel like it's perfect, but it's not. Um, we, you know, do we have a laser chip in the ball? No, we don't. We have 50-, 60-year-old men setting chains on the sideline and trying to you know, guess off of that and try, to make a, and try to put a spot on a precise spot where the tackle ended when, when the play is happening at rapid speed, often not right in front of them but from 30, 20, 30 yards away and perhaps even in front of them as they're running to try to catch it. You know, it's impossible to get it perfectly. Um, even, I think even with the best science, it's probably impossible. I, I don't know. I just... I think we have this false sense of precision that that it just isn't there. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I don't know if it's ever going to get better. That's the problem, too, because like you said, it could get worse before it gets better. We'll see. So, mm-hmm. all right, what a downer start to our segment today with Jeff Erickson yeah. from Rotowire. I mean, I'd be honest, Sorry, I'm, my fault. I'm depressed, and uh, boy, oh boy, I, I've really let this go into the toilet to start the show, folks. My apologies. <laughs> Middle of the uh, program, we'll come back and uh, we'll talk a little baseball with Jeff. We'll do it right after uh, this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. Back with Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. And again, rotowire.com is your place to be for all things uh, fantasy sports. We'll tell you how you can uh, get all the info you need. And uh, now you have to put down a credit card. We'll do that in just a little bit. But first, let's go to baseball. Spring training is now in full gear. Uh, Minor league season starts next week. Uh, How about the news today that Hunter Green is going to be breaking camp with the Reds in their starting rotation? And also the news that uh, Bobby Witt could very well be the starting shortstop for the Kansas City Royals as uh, camp breaks. Uh, the Witt news is one of the least surprising news items of the spring. I mean, this is almost preordained. It'd, it'd be a shock. I mean, the only thing that might be shocking is that he's playing short instead of third. 
but you know he had to make the team. Uh, Hunter Green, I am pleasantly surprised. Uh, but then again, I think the with Mike Miner out, with Luis Castillo out, uh, the, the Bengals, I mean the Reds were uh, left with uh, very few alternatives. Uh, they sent they decided Tony Santian was going to go back to the bullpen. Uh, they they sent down a couple other guys. Uh, they pretty much preordained it by their moves yesterday. So uh, it, it's. It's pretty well set up. Uh, you know, once Castillo and Miner come back, then the Reds will have a decision to make. Uh, but both Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo, uh, who's another great pitching prospect with Reds, I know you know that because you're a Dynasty League player. But, yes. Uh, both these guys should make the rotation. Lodolo is getting treated as if, as if he's the fifth starter, but I think he might even be more polished than Green. He had fewer innings last year, but this is a guy that's going to come quickly. I see a lot of people going after Reaver San Martin for the uh, Reds. A lot of people like what he's what he brings. Well, he had two starts uh, last year, and you know, did all right with them. But uh, at the same time, it's uh, you know, it's it, it, he's not doesn't throw as hard as those guys. The strikeout upside isn't there. He's more of a pitch to contact guy um, that might. Pitch to contact guys in Great American Ballpark with Kyle Farmer as your shortstop doesn't exactly sound inviting to me. Uh, but you know what? There'll be moments that he's streamable. Um, I, I just, you know, you're talking probably 25th to 28th round on San Martin. Okay. Uh, I was also looking at some of the other stories. Eric Halterman with his MLB barometer, risers and fallers. Uh, talking specifically about players like Matt Olson, um, Sandy Alcantara of the Marlins, Mitch Garver now of the Rangers. And um, I'm interested to see what the Padres are going to do. Could we see Cal Abrams break camp as a starting shortstop for the Padres? Yeah, we could. Uh, we could see C.J. Yeah, Abrams. Uh, C.J. Abrams, yes. Yeah, yeah. We should. See, we could see Abrams, although I think they're, the fact that I think he's more going to be a utility player play all around because they're talking about getting him some reps in center field too uh which yeah that's that, that seems interesting to me the bigger story out of padres camp is mackenzie gore though you've you've been following this one for a while you know have. el paso seeing a lot of uh gore and all the prospects there but gore looks like the guy that we saw at fort wayne like three years ago not the guy that we've seen the last two years uh, 11 strikeouts through nine innings. He, he looks the part again. Is why we got so excited about him. I'd caution this is spring training outing, so not to kind of maybe dial da- dial down that hype just a little bit. But then again, you know, when you're presented with new evidence, be able to act on it. There, you know, he he's a guy you want to add late in drafts because what if he is back to being a stud prospect and he's in a good ballpark with a good team. Yeah, you, you should want to take a chance on that because the, the the guys you draft in the late rounds anyhow are, are you know meant to fail. So why not take a chance on a guy that's got a huge ceiling? I don't know what the Padres do with their fifth starter. I mean, you've got Nick Martinez, who they signed to a nice contract here recently mm-hmm. uh, from Korea. He's back now, the former Ranger prospect. He's competing with Chris Paddock. He's competing with Mackenzie Gore. There's a battle going on for that fifth starter spot, and you can add Ryan Weathers to that list. And I mean, I'm interested to see how many of these guys are going to be in El Paso next week. Yeah, they're, they're talking about dabbling with six starters, especially as – uh, you know, we've had the, the condensed spring training that maybe that's a way to deal with that uh, and while they still try to work on getting these guys stretched out. Uh, once off days kind of kick in, it's going to be hard to maintain six stars. Some teams will do it, though. The Padres seem like they might be a candidate. Chris Paddock's the guy that could be the odd man out, and that's pretty remarkable given where he was two years ago. 
I agree with you. And then again, do you really see him being in AAA, or do you see maybe the Padres uh, trading him and um, you know unloading some of the? Maybe they could find somebody to take um, you know Eric Hosmer and and maybe ship Paddock along hmm. with him. A long man in relief or something uh, of that nature. The, yeah. You know, the the thing is now, you know, Paddock's stock has declined so much that it, it's hard to envision, you know, getting a huge return on him prospect, you know, prospect or otherwise. I mean, he, he essentially is still a prospect. I mean, yeah. that's that's the problem. Uh, it's not the same, you know, it, you know, at least in the case of Jesus Lazardo, they didn't. You know, the uh, Marlins didn't take on any other anybody any a bad contract or anything. They they got the player and took the chance. They gave up Starling Marte. Obviously, Lazardo is another similar to Gore, where he's had a nice turnaround this spring. Meanwhile, I know uh, spring training means nothing. Who's looking good in spring training? That's kind of getting your attention. Uh, you know, a lot of the kids. It, it's the kids. We mentioned Lazardo as one. Uh, I'll tell. Well, I'll give you a non-kid. Justin Verlander looks great. Uh, they're saying that maybe April 9th will be his debut. He keeps going higher and higher in drafts, Steve. Uh, I'm seeing him go in the 40s now. That's huge, really. The 40s. People are just buying, yeah. buying, and excited about that, huh? All right. Well, and you know the thing is, at full capacity, he's a first-round guy. So even then, that's pre- uh, perceived discount. You know, it's a huge risk, but. Keep in mind, the Astros spent $24 million on him this year. Uh, that's a heck of a bet. Absolutely right. Um, meanwhile, it's difficult to see. Uh, you know, I was trying to track spring training velocity. We finally found someone that's been doing it and putting it on a Google sheet. And there's a couple of names that kind of scare me. Velocity that doesn't look nearly like it should. One would be Dylan Bundy, who's not topping off past 87, 88 miles an hour right now. Uh, he is a, a little scary. And uh, potentially, there are a couple of other players right now whose velocity is really starting to dip down here in spring training. Yeah, uh, you got to be careful with that because we're still early. We're two weeks into games right now, Steve. You know, te- a lot of times pitchers are building up their arm strength, working on stretching out, maybe even working on a new pitch or a new grip. Um, I remember famously a couple years ago, Luis Castillo was way down in velocity, and everybody freaked out, and then he had a great year. And again, last year he was down in velocity and had a horrible two months. So it can be telling and it can be deceiving all at the same time. Uh, the other thing, too, is the accuracy and measurement of those. A lot of times these are coming from, you know, a TV broadcast, their, their gun, which may be hot, may be cold, you know, may not be accurate. It's not, not every team has TrackMan installed. Uh, so you're not getting official readings. All I can tell you is this. Luke Weaver doesn't look promising, and neither does Dylan Bundy. So we'll see. Guys that are at but least being ever. drafted. I mean, I'm, I'm not uh, – those, those guys I'm not drafting anyhow, though. So, But, yeah, uh, may, may, may it'll help me stream against them, though, when they're on the mound for their teams. That's a good way to look at it. All right, uh, what do we have uh, up at rotowire.com for people that want to check things out? Well, uh, we've got – we had a set of composite rankings called the Roundtable Rankings go up last weekend. Uh, we're going to try to do an update on that. I have been adding guys furiously. Like so, now that job battles are getting announced, you know, adding guys that didn't have a projection before, you know, people having big drafts this weekend, trying to cover as many bases as possible for that. All sorts of feature articles. We're going to have a, a first-run free agent article. A lot of te- If you drafted early, you will have a run of free agents as early as Thursday night, if not – Sunday. Uh, so be prepared. Be ready for that because, you know, this is an important free agent period. 
Huge. And again, you can also uh, check things out with I would have put down a credit card. I love that about what you guys do. All you want to do is give people a chance to just experience what Rotowire can do for you. Exactly. So I want you guys to check it all out. Rotowire.com slash free. Get you a free 10-day trial. Awesome. We'll talk to you next week, Jeff. Thanks for the time. You bet. Thanks, Steve. 41 pass. Back to wrap up Hour 2 as Sports Talk continues. 10 in front of 6 right now as we continue here on Sports Talk. Don't forget... Monday, Championship Monday, everybody! We're going to be live at Border City L House, 1506 Lee Trevino. We'll have 299 smoked beef ribs from the state line. Oh, yes, we will! And we're also going to have $4 fireballs, two, three, $4 pints. I'm sorry, three, four, $5 pints to get you ready for the championship game. Is it going to be Duke? Is it going to be North Carolina? Will it be Kansas or Villanova? Who cares? They're all good. They're all going to be drawing ratings no matter what. It's going to be great no matter what happens. I'll be honest with you. Um, Kansas, Duke would be amazing. Villanova, Duke would be amazing. Villanova, North Carolina, Kansas, North Carolina. There is not one bad matchup in this particular uh, Final Four, Adrian, that makes me cringe. They're all good teams. Yeah, as far as like ratings go, I guess they're hoping for Kansas Duke because that one will probably like shatter ratings right there for a national championship game. Uh, but you're talking about four blue bloods right here, and yes, I definitely include Villanova in the mix for a, being a blue blood. Uh, you have four blue bloods in the Final Four, and and yeah. That, it just makes for great college basketball right there. Oh, man. You had to throw the Blue Bloods out there, didn't you? Yeah, you had I had to. to. I had to. Villanova's in that mix. Yeah, I know. I know. But it's just oh, that word. You know, that word just it's – I vowed I was not going to say that word the entire week when one of my buddies uh, who lives out in Dallas is like, how many times are you going to say this? I said, none. I'm, I'm going to avoid that word. I am not saying it. I'll let you say it because I'm okay. not doing it. All <laughs> I'll, right? I'll say blue bloods all the time. There I'm, I'm you down. Go. Nah, I don't want to say that word. I'm like, all right, we we get it. We understand what they are. We don't have to. We don't have to do that. Do we? Do we? Well, I just want to say that I just want. Actually, I said it more for Villanova to to make sure that everybody knows that they're a blue blood and they should be in this conversation as well. Now, if we're talking and gushing about Duke, yeah, I don't really want to have that conversation right now. Um, I get it, and I'll uh, I'll respect uh, the Coach K run and Paulo Banchero's uh, you know emergence into one of the best NBA draft prospects right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely rooting for North Carolina. I'm definitely rooting for Villanova. Okay. All right. That, that, listen, I have no problem with that. I think that's fair. You should be rooting for teams right now. You should have your, should you should be partial to that. You know that works out fine. Uh, eight in front is six as we continue here on Sports Talk eight eight zero five seven six three. That is our telephone number as we continue uh, here on the program. I love this tweet earlier from Joe Chacon. And by the way, I already said the eight eight zero five seven six. See, I, I'm, I'm going to screw it up a lot, folks. I'm not going to. I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to care. I mean, it, look, you know the new number. If I say the old number, I'm just programmed that way. I'm not there yet. I am not there yet. All right. So um, I, I promise you this: if you call that number, nobody's going to answer it. We did. Just rang forever. So don't do that. Then you're going to blame Adrian for not picking up the phone. But if you dial 915-505-6009, Adrian will pick up the phone because we're going to see it here. You know what, Steve? I, I just thought about this. There are people who don't listen, but they just call in. Like, that happens. That happens to us here on Sports Talk. So what if, like, people who just don't listen in and those have poor, no clue, those they're just people. like, man, Adrian's just not doing his job, or what's going on over there? I know. What's wrong with Sports Talk? Why doesn't anybody ever pick up the phone? 
So, have we figured out the um, the app? Is the app working yet, or is the app still That's attached a great to the question. old number? I, I would I would bet that it's still on the old number. Unfortunately, Steve, you think so? I'm looking, and it says, "Are you sure you want to call nine one five eight eight zero five seven six three? Oh, jeez. Yeah. So much for that. All right. Well, one of these days we'll fix the app. The app can match the new number. Maybe that's going to take a while. You know, that might not be something we can just get done immediately. It might take a few minutes. So, uh, anyway, um, as we wrap up hour two of three here on the program, um, did you see the story about the uh, attorneys that are representing the women that are in that lawsuit with Jerry Jones? No, I haven't. Oh, my God. Um, the, well, remember this was the, so there are, there's the 25 year old who says Jerry Jones is her biological father. I remember that. Yes. Well, anyway, lawyers for her blasted Jerry Jones today saying, quote, he maliciously accuses his own daughter of extortion and adamantly denied saying she is part of a conspiracy to exploit him. Ooh, man, those are those are testing words right there toward uh, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Then the uh, Dallas lawyers for Alexandra Davis said in a statement, quote, even more distasteful is that Mr. Jones has stooped so low as to attempt to tie Alexandra's lawsuit into his other daughter's Charlotte Jones divorce to have it lost among his many scandals. What? This is so bizarre. Like, his lawyers are working overtime to try to bury this and, and, and sweep it under the rug. They want to they want to cash in some of that Jerry uh, that, that Jerry retirement, right? That Jerry nest egg. That's what they want. They want the yacht. Yeah. Yeah, give me give me the yacht. I'm down for that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good with that. I, I think so, too. Well, remember, on Monday, Jones's lawyers asked a judge to dismiss Davis's lawsuit, alleging that she is involved in one of multiple monetary extortion attempts against him and the Cowboys. The lawsuit claimed Davis had delivered a draft of the lawsuit to Jones on an unspecified date and asked whether he would make a deal to assure that he would not be publicly or privately identified as her father. Wow. I wonder if that's actually true. I don't know if I believe that right there. Well, that's a big one, so we will see. Anyway, uh, it's it's getting better and better. Jerry's got a lot to deal with as the draft is coming up. Not just who he's going to take, but how he's going to handle this one. All right. Anyway, uh, we will come back. We've got much more in store for you in our final hour, so stay with us. Sports Talk continues right here. It's 600 ESPN El Paso. Here we go. Final hour of Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Along with Adrian Broaditz, I'm Steve Kaplow. It's good to have you here. 600 ESPN El Paso. Tomorrow, 30 minutes. Friday, zero minutes. No show Friday. Women's Final Four. Tomorrow, NIT Championship. So you've got 60 minutes to get your calls in right now, or really, you're going to have to try to find a way to call us between 4 and 4.30 tomorrow at 505-6009, and that's it. It's the only way to do it. 915 area code, by the way. 915-505-6009 gets you through to Sports Talk. UTEP Spring Game is a week away, week and a half away. So is their garage sale, where they're going to be selling game-issued stuff. That is cool. That is, I mean... There are fans that are going to want to buy um, cleats, practice uniforms, uniform tops. Who knows what they're going to have? Maybe footballs. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. I told um, UTEP we want to go there and get a preview so we can let all the people know what will be there at that garage sale. 
yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because I think there could be some really hot items there uh, for sale for the public, uh, things that have been stored, you know, in storage for a long time, and now they get to unveil everything and, and allow the UTEP fan base to purchase some of these products. Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. I, I really do. So, you, you know, the only way to do it, though, is to, you have to be there next week. That's going to be important in itself to uh, watch the UTEP spring game and take advantage of the garage sale. I love that idea for fans. And uh, the weather should be nice. I'll say that. Game's going to be on Saturday, right? No, it's on Friday. Friday, Friday evening. That's correct. So the forecast for next Friday right now, high 81, low 50. Beautiful, beautiful weather. weather. Yeah, and I think this is going to be one of those highly anticipated spring games for UTEP football because they're coming off a winning season. There's buzz around the program. People are excited about UTEP football this offseason for the first time in a long time. And, yeah, this is the first chance to see the new minors ahead of the 2022 season. I'm with you on that one. I I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited um, about this football team. And they got a better schedule. Let's be honest, UTEP football schedule 2.0 is better than the original for a lot of reasons. I was not looking forward to opening up in Norman against Oklahoma. Now they get to open up at home against North Texas. They also lose UAB on the schedule. And they add FIU. They add Middle Tennessee. They lose Southern Miss. I mean, they add Charlotte. um, and, And they still keep the balance. It's still six home games and six road games. That's exactly right. One of the things that I would even say is like in my first column on the first schedule, the 1.0, I was thinking, man, five, uh, seven wins is tough to find. But yeah, I think they could get to seven wins. With this new schedule, I think there's even an argument that this team could go further. I mean, they get a chance to play both the Florida schools, which is uh, excellent for the Miners on their scheduling. And both those games are at home. Uh, you know, Middle Tennessee at home as well. Boise State, a tough non-conference opponent, but they get to play them at the Sun Bowl. So yeah. You have your favorable matchups at home, and on the road, yeah, you'll be battle-tested, but maybe they can win some on the road. Listen, the one thing I'm most excited about with this new schedule is they will have an opportunity, okay, to play Charlotte and break the East Coast jinx on October 1st. If the Miners win that game, that'll be the first game they've ever won in the Eastern time zone, in the history of the program. And that can happen on October 1st. And you're right. They get both Florida schools now at home. So they don't have to make the trip over there to Florida this year and and go either to Miami or Boca. That's a nice advantage. Here's the record, Steve. You ready for this? Talk to me. is 0-25-1 all-time in Eastern time zone games. But they have the tie. That's right. They have the tie. (laughs) That's right. So uh, this would be great. It would be great to see them win their first ever game and and deliver a nice parting gift to Charlotte, who will be leaving to the American Athletic Conference after the season. Yeah, I really think that the schedule shapes up well for this team early on. I mean, uh, home game against North Texas, that should be one that UTEP should win, which, by the way, haven't beat North Texas since Aaron Jones wore a uniform for the Miners. So that's another thing to look at. Uh, Then they go to Norman, which, yeah, you think is is possibly a loss, but New Mexico Uh, State— Stop stop with possibly a loss. A loss. We're just going to mark let's, it as a loss. As much as I would love to say UTEP's going to go into Norman and beat the Sooners, uh, let's just say they're one on one after that. Yeah, they're going to get killed on that one. I'm with you on that. All right, New Mexico State, they win. New Mexico, I feel like they can beat them. Uh, Boise, I'm going to count that as a loss. I think UTEP fights hard, but that's a that's 
probably a loss right there. So that's three and two to start things off for the year. I like that with some quality opponents in the mix. I think they could be four and one. Depending on how they come out, listen, depending on how they come out and play against North Texas and Oklahoma, that'll tell us a lot about the next three games. Very true. And then that, you know, they jump into conference play right away after that. You, you could, if you count that Boise State game as a win, then those are the next two games going on the road against Charlotte and La Tech. Maybe you think UTEP could maybe uh, win one of those. And if you win those two games right there and beat Boise, I mean, the the season's right there up for up for UTEP to try to be in the contention. conference championship. Yeah, contention to try to win a title. Exactly right. Exactly right. And not only that, UTEP has two bye weeks in a one-month period. How about that? Have a bye week on October 15th and a bye week on November 12th. I think they probably called up, the league office probably called up Dana Demel and said, hey, when would you like your bye weeks? Since you're staying in conference, you say, let's give you this gift. Do you know that yesterday when that tweet came out from Pete Dammel saying that there were two schools that asked for zero-week games, now you know UTEP was one of them. Yeah, and I don't blame them because – and I, I'm not sure what the specifics are for this, but I remember last year when uh, Dana Dimmel was previewing the Battle of I-10, which was a week zero game, he talked about getting a, a couple extra practices in the summer, and I and he, he talked about how good that was at the moment. So I, I don't know the uh, actual specifics. I'd love to talk to him in the spring game about that, but that's also something to note. UTEP gets more practices and gets more breaks in the middle of the season. Jojo Ortiz wants to know, will there be helmets on sale at the garage sale? I don't know. Pinky wants to know if there's going to be Adidas men's basketball warm-up suits. Well, it's a football garage sale, not a basketball garage sale. It's all about football, Pinky. I, I also probably think they ditched a lot of the Adidas stuff. I kind of see if I still have my Adidas UTEP women's basketball warm-up suit. It was sweet. A warm-up suit? That's oh, awesome. Yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. So you got you got your like zip-up and the sweats? Uh-huh. I had both. Um, Keith took good care of me for years when I was at UTEP calling those games. So I got to – I traveled with them a lot, so I dressed like them. I mean, that was the whole point. You know, you want to you want to look – everybody wants to look the same, including radio. Now, the difference is is that every every year they would get a new suit. I get probably one every 10 years. So I made sure that um, I took good care of it because I wasn't – I knew I wasn't going to get a new one, but it was nice while it lasted. Yeah. She was very she was very generous. That's awesome. I, I love the fact that you got those. Those warm-ups are, are real clean. I know exactly which ones you're talking about. And, uh, yeah, if they have those buried somewhere in the storage and they bust them out for the uh, garage sale, I mean, uh, fans are going to eat those uh, big time. A- absolutely. Absolutely. So that's all coming up uh, next Friday. That's going to be great. We're going to try to get a preview before that. And maybe early next week we can talk about what's going to be happening at the garage sale. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. All I know is this. I've done – we do garage sales at least once every couple years. And our garage fills up with junk. And then the next thing you know, our um, trash becomes people's treasures. That's just the way it is. And it'll be the same way with UTEP. There's stuff that they would normally just either give out or throw away. People are going to want that stuff. They're going to make some money on that because sometimes when you can get gear that you can't buy anywhere else at the bookstore, anywhere else, that's, that's valuable stuff right now. Yeah, credit to UTEP for also doing this during the spring game, encouraging people to go out and watch the team and capitalize on this sale. I I really like this for the Miners and, and what they're doing for football. I do too. All right, 12 past the hour, 880-5763. That is our telephone number. I have refreshed verbal commits every 20 minutes. There's just, an interesting name in there. Just to see what's coming up that I haven't seen before. Um, are you talking about 
Um, D Barnes from Southern Utah who just came to El Paso. Well, oh, that that's even better. That's a that's a really good one. No, I didn't think of that one. Uh, I was actually thinking of uh, Coppin State's uh, Jesse Zarzuela who entered ah. the transfer portal. Somebody who was supposed to come to UTEP uh, and then ended up not coming after all. What did Zarzuela do at Coppin State? He put some numbers up. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he averaged double figures really? at Coppin State. Yes, I got to double check on that, but if my memory serves me, that he did. That I mean, I have not heard the name Jesse Zarzuela at least in about what four or five years. Was he a Floyd guy? No, Jesse Zarzuela was a Rodney Terry, Brian Burton type of player uh, that he recruited. He averaged uh, almost 15 points a game for Coppin State. Wow! Uh, sophomore, six foot three, out of Houston, and yeah, uh, he's he started Coppin State, one of the best players on their team. Interesting. So that was a Rodney guy. That's right. Yep, he was a Rodney guy. Never never stepped foot on campus. Uh, committed to UTEP, signed to UTEP, and everything. Um, and then you know, then what happened? I, I don't know, Steve. He was he he along with Brandon Wenzel did not come to UTEP. Brandon Wenzel, by the way, he's playing at Wyoming, which Wyoming was a NCAA tournament team. I wonder if Zarzuela was part of the uh, you know was was a Burton guy, and then when Burton was uh, was out, that was the end of uh, Zarzuela. Yeah, I feel like that that timeline pretty much matches up right there. I know he's a Burton guy for sure. So that. That, that sounds about right. All right. 880-5763. That is our telephone number as we used to have on the show. But now it's changed. Now it's 505-6009. That's what happens around here. We switch numbers out every 27 years or 32 years, however long it's been. And we've changed the request line on 600 ESPN El Paso. So 915-505-6009 or 915-505-600 and the number 9 gets you right on in and through to the show. If you want to talk a little UTEP offseason, we can do so. Football, basketball. Have you have you been to UTEP football practice in the last couple weeks? No, I haven't, Steve. I'm planning to go actually before the weekends because I really want to see what what they've uh, what they've accomplished. I haven't been in two this week and last week. I haven't gone, but the last time I went, I just love the matchups that they were showing in the wide receiver ranks. Like you, you have such a deep wide receiver group, and one name to really keep in mind, just Justine Clark. I mean, he's really emerging in spring ball and. I'm curious to know what other people pl- uh, think of him, but when I was out there last, he was catching balls left and right, and he, he was a, a prime target of Gavin Hardison. So uh, that's, a, that's a name to watch out here among the wide receivers. Speaking of Hardison, UTEP football on Twitter did a really nice one-minute profile of the minor quarterback. In fact, if you have not had a chance to hear, this is what it sounds like. I mean, it feels really good, man. I mean, I love love my teammates, love my coaches, and the environment so far this spring has just been uh, different than it has in the past. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited with the ball and what we got to bring to the table. And how is it connecting with your some new receivers, your, your receiving core? I've just been really good. You know, a lot of young young guys, um, but we, we have some experience, too, coming back. And, uh, you know, it's just exciting. We have a lot of, a lot of depth at that position. And, uh, just seeing those guys compete every single day has been good, and it's uh, been exciting to watch and be a part of predictions for next season. For predictions, goes, man, I mean, I think that we're going to do really big things here in El Paso. Uh, we're going to really just take it week by week and uh, try to go one and zero every week. But you know, as a team, we got a lot of goals, and uh, you know, I, I think that we can accomplish all those goals as well. So, if, if you could say one thing to El Paso right now, what would you say? And come out and support. We need y'all. We need y'all, man. It's going to be exciting next year. I promise. Nicely done, UTEP, on the uh, profile of uh, the 
newest wear, you know, member of uh, wearing number two, Luke Laufenberg's number. He is now Gavin Hardison of the Miners. Yeah, I really, I think Gavin's getting more polished on these interviews. I, I think he did a nice job uh, talking about his team. He's really excited. If you look on his social media, he's just fired up to be UTEP's quarterback, and he's taking on that leadership role in a big way, embracing it, and that's what they needed. They need a vocal guy, Great and uh, and it's their gunslinger. It's Gavin Harson. 505-6009, the telephone number uh, with a line. Wow, line's ringing in. We are lighting them up here on a Wednesday afternoon. On Sports Talk. 505-6009 gets you right on in and through to the program. And we'd love to hear from you, especially after listening to that conversation from uh, Gavin and what you would like to uh, talk about. We could definitely get that going for you. Um, Also, as we continue here on the program today uh, with the new football schedule, I think that, uh, as we've talked about a lot here, the Miners are the winners. They are the winners, and I believe that uh, they're going to cash in. Let's go to Greg. He's on the west side of town. Hey, Greg, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm I'm doing fine. Hey, I want to be out on uh, business next week, so I'm going to miss the big spring game and the the big garage sale for the Miners. But, hey, let's talk U.S. soccer again. I know – a guy, a gentleman called up earlier, but the uh, lineup dropped here about 12 minutes ago. Yep. We got Zach Steffen back at uh, at uh, goalkeeper. We got DeAndre Yedlin, Walker Zimmerman, the captain, Tyler Adams, Anthony Robinson, a very, very impressive player, uh, dual citizenship. I think he's British American. I mean, great, 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 great guy. Yunus uh, Musa. We got Ricardo Pepe. He's starting now. Christian Pulisic is starting. He does have. He's sitting on a yellow card. My wife was going, why are they putting him in there? And like I suggested, why not put him in there late in the second half? But we got Miles Robinson, Tim Weah. He's a very exciting, a very young uh, player, but very exciting. And Kaylin Acosta, I'm, I'm happy with his lineup. All right, yeah, good. And by the way, what do you think the score is going to be when it's all said and done? You know what? It's, it's a tough, uh, tough match. We, I, I believe we've never won down there. It's been very, very tough. But, you know, if we can come away with a draw or – a low-scoring game, maybe 2-1 U.S. I'd like to say that. I mean, it's always tough. They're going to be ready. They're fighting for their, their position. You know, they don't want to be in the fourth place, the, the Ticos. And, of course, we want to, you know, maintain our second-place standing, no, no worse than third. Uh, it's kind of hard to really say what it's going to be. Now, as far as the, the points, the goal differential, U.S. is uh, sitting very, very nicely because we've scored a lot of goals. Yeah, they're up so five, I think, five goals. Well, as long as long as we don't get lose by six to zero, which mm-hmm. I don't think w- would happen, okay. If we lose, I mean, we're we're, we're still in. But as long as we don't get uh, totally wiped out by a large margin, we're we're, we're good to go. But I, I'm I'm excited about these uh, these young kids this lineup, and uh, they're hungry. They want to go. They want to go to uh, the World Cup. Well, that's good. That's the way it should be, right? That's what you, that, that's what we want. That is what we well, want. So it was it was. I, I was an emotional wreck. Uh, back, what, four and a half, five years ago. You know, UTEP basketball, I believe Tim Floyd was leaving or they weren't performing well. Coach Kugler left, and the Yanks failed to qualify, especially that last game at uh, Trinidad and Tobago that we needed, uh, you know, we needed to win and we needed other teams to help us out and just things didn't – it was terrible. So we're it's, it's a whole new slate, new time, new new era. We're, we're, we're good to go. We're, we're very optimistic. We're, uh, the U.S. Is a, it will advance to the World Cup. Enjoy it, my man. Have fun. Thanks for the call. Okay, take care, guys. He's Greg from the West Side as we continue here on Sports Talk. All right. Um, we've got Charlie One standing by. We've got breaking NFL news also we got to tell you about. All that still to come as uh, Sports Talk continues. But first, hey, 
tell you about Angel and Jerisley. You know, they knew they would be deploying soon. So they wanted to sell their home on the far east side of El Paso and rent until they deployed. They listed the home with Brian and his team, and you know what? Had it under contract in just a few short weeks for top dollar. In fact, they were happy with all the work that the team put into the sale and also how they made sure that Angel and Jerice Lee were taken care of. More examples of what Brian Birds can do for you. Now, to achieve top dollar, you need that agent who can create an auction-like effect with buyers competing for your home and driving up the price. That's Brian Birds of the Brian Birds Home Selling Team, powered by EXP Realty. You know, Brian is not only the official real estate agent for the UTEP Miners and El Paso Locomotive FC, he's also the Chihuahuas and now the El Paso Rhinos. And man, his team markets like crazy. Their budget is 25 times higher than the average real estate agent's annual income. So you got to call Brian, folks. 751-1500 is the number. Or online at brianbirds.com. Or you can Google Brian Birds. B-U-R-D-S. And start packing. Hey, El Paso, have you heard? To sell your-